1: Hello and welcome to you all. This is another edition of Fake News Friday as we try to find warmth and comfort and serenity in the midst of the blizzard of lies that is coming at us in all directions, from all directions in this day and age. And I assure you it has nothing to do with Elon Musk taking over Twitter. I am Andrew Lawton, joined by Sue Ann Levy, who I believe is, unless you are actually sitting on a beach right now, a purveyor of fake news with that background of yours. It's very
0: fake. I thought it was appropriate.
1: Fake news. See, Sue Ann, there you go with the fake news again. You are uh, you are sowing discord in our fragile society.
0: I hope I don't trigger a few people.
1: Actually, you're just making me jealous. I'd, I would take a fake beach over uh, where I am in Canada right now with the weather that's been coming down. So, In any case, let's uh, speaking of, of Elon Musk, this has been, I think, the gift that keeps on giving for Fake News Friday. So Elon Musk, a few weeks back, takes over Twitter. There's been this perpetual frenzy by a lot of people in media and in politics. Uh, and yesterday, uh, uh, they spoke about on Daily Brief, and this I spoke about on the Andrew Lawton Show, uh, Elon Musk responded to a tweet. of mine and said that he didn't like how it sounded like some of these policies the government is putting forward here are muzzling the voice of Canadians, which I I think was a very astute and accurate analysis on this. But it's been interesting just to see some of the backlash. Like here was one was one um, tweet from Brad Redekop, and he posted this video of Charlie Angus blaming Elon Musk for anti-Semitism. Take a look.
2: Elon Musk's recent purchase of Twitter has shaken up Silicon Valley and the status quo in Big Tech quite a bit, and perhaps breathed some fresh air into what was becoming a stale industry. His commitment to free speech and his willingness to stand up to the powers that be show how Big Tech can directly influence elections or stay neutral, as they should. Of course, in Canada, this legislation has the potential to tip the scales towards the NDP Liberals during elections. Big Tech recognizes that and they don't want to be the tools of censorship in Canada or anywhere else.
3: How about Elon Musk? What a great breath of fresh air. I mean, the guy's almost crashed uh, one of the biggest platforms in the world uh, in the space of two weeks. But what's so fresh about Elon Musk? Well, the rise of anti-Semitism. Oh, well, geez, that's a breath of fresh air. Vladimir Putin's troll armies against the people of Ukraine. What a breath of fresh air for backbench conservatives. And then, of course, Elon Musk wants to jail the United States' most uh, illustrious doctor for the work he did preventing the pandemic. I bet conservatives just love that. What a breath of fresh air! If only we could go after medical science, but then, on the other hand, we have the big bad CBC running everything. You know, I thought it was George Soros. I thought it was Klaus Schwab. Now I, I should have thought, you know. When the leader of the Conservative Party said he was going to go after cryptocurrency, replace the Bank of Canada and shut down the CBC, I didn't know it was because of their conspiracy to control everything. The Honourable Member for Saskatoon West. This reminds me of
2: a very simple thing. Dad jokes. You hear a dad joke, one person likes it, the next person doesn't even find it funny. Which is my point here, that we cannot allow one person or one group of people to control what we see on the internet. We have to allow a broad cross-section. Some people will like one thing, some people will like another. Some things might be true, some things might not, but we, as soon as we try to arbitrate those things, we're gonna get ourselves into trouble, thank you.
1: Now, I know you, Sue Ann, are very well aware of anti-Semitism. I'm a, a Gentile, you're a Jewish woman, you've, you've seen this firsthand. Uh, this didn't start when Elon Musk took over Twitter. I don't think we can lay anti-Semitism at his feet, can we?
0: Absolutely not. You know, it's funny because anti-Semitism, you know, the left would like to portray it as coming from the far right neo-Nazis. You know, that has waned and it's increased, certainly in Europe. But uh, the bulk of anti-Semitism currently is coming from the far left. So what I see on Twitter uh, are people who are... in for example, proponents of critical race theory and things like that, anti-Semitism is coming from the radical fringe left and Elon Musk certainly isn't that. So you can call him a lot of things, but not that.
1: No, and and that's the thing, and I've never liked when people cheapen what are very serious concepts, whether it's racism or anti-Semitism, and and they do exactly that when they try to just like shove these things into whatever political point they're trying to make here. So Charlie Angus doesn't like Elon Musk, okay, that's fine, I don't really care, he can uh, debate that as much as he wants, but then to just say we have to just shove an anti-Semitism narrative into this is, is I find very disingenuous.
0: Well, the word anti-Semitism, the word racist, the word Islamophobic, bigot, bigotry. I mean, those words are so overused these days. And I don't know how many times you've been called a racist or a bigot, but I find it hard to believe that a Jewish lesbian, although the, the far left people who are going absolutely berserk, I think, on Twitter, would call me racist or call me a bigot. Come on. You know, I fit into
1: a couple of oppressed groups.
0: I'm also a woman.
1: Yeah, you're the one. You're the one that we need. You're the victim of the bigotry in that sense.
0: Yes. So I mean, it's it's just crazy the way, and it's become so tiresome. I don't know if you find that, Andrew, but I find it really tiresome when I'm these labels are thrown at me. They mean nothing. They cheapen it, as you said.
1: Yeah, very much so. And I mean, some of the the reaction to Elon Musk as well is just. It's just not even clever, it's not witty, it's not intelligent. 22 Minutes, which is this bizarre attempt at Canadian comedy, has tweeted out a couple of Elon Musk observations. One of them, uh, Elon Musk has dissolved Twitter's trust and safety council. He's hoping this will make things safer and restore trust in Twitter. So a bit of a poor attempt at wordplay there. Another one, Elon Musk has revealed that you can now play video games off the screen in your Tesla, which is a great way to keep your mind off your car driving itself into a gorge. Okay, a little bit more pointed than the uh, trust and safety one, but still nothing I would say is comedy here. And I'm wondering if everyone is just going to tire themselves out on this or if Elon Musk is just the new Donald Trump in the sense that he lives rent free in all of his critics brains.
0: Well, he seems to be. And there are those who have left Twitter and then come back. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's actually quite funny there. And, and Donald Trump, of course, he announced his reelection and he's not getting the, uh, the airtime that Elon Musk is. Look, the guy is very, very successful. I see more and more Teslas on the street. I'm not going to buy an electric vehicle at this point, but he's done very well. He has a very successful uh, model. And he bought Twitter. And I think that he's let some people back on Twitter, for example, Jordan Peterson, and he's let you know Donald Trump back on Twitter. And I think that's a good thing. Free speech. And from what I've read and heard and seen of the people who ran Twitter beforehand, I mean it was, as we say in Yiddish Ashanda, it was disgraceful how they behaved and how they canceled people that they didn't agree with. And it's sort of indicative of society today, isn't it? But you know, I find it very refreshing that he's back. <laughs> and let the I, people's I, the leftist heads explode. I really don't care.
1: I think, by the way, I learn a new Yiddish word every time I uh, co-host this show with you, Sue so thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, a couple of of the reactions here. Kurt Petrovich, who I had never heard of, but apparently he works for CBC, has said uh, he bought an electric nearly three years ago and had test-driven a Tesla, but Musk then was already known as a COVID-denying, union-busting, narcissistic, ego-driven, fabulist, so he bought a Hyundai Kona electric vehicle instead, saved money, great service and nearly 500-kilometer range. Uh, Brad Wheeler, who is with the Globe and Mail, he tweeted out that uh, Elon Musk is effectively like Dr. Evil. So uh, Elon Musk, just because he was uh, tweeting about how the Branch Covidians were getting under his nerves, he's now uh, the sinister uh, cat-petting villain in the Austin Powers movies. So I you know, I maybe they'll tire themselves out and you know, we can have a reset in new year on this, but I'm not optimistic of that happening.
0: Well, and all I would say to these people who are tweeting, leave Twitter if you don't like it. Number one, nobody's forcing you, you know, pulling your arm to be part of it, pulling your laptop fingers. And the guy is you got to respect him. He's a really successful entrepreneur. And I just laugh at some of these people. I mean, they obviously have, well, I don't want to say no life, but my goodness, to get yourself all bent out of shape (laughs) over Elon Musk, surely to goodness this time of year, there are better things to do. Like, you know, putting up a Christmas tree, whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like th- this time of year, the last thing I want to do is start getting into Twitter fights about billionaires whose lives are very different than my own, but uh, uh, to each their own, I guess. And, you know, if that's what gives them joy in the holiday season, who am I to rob them of that? Uh, let's talk about a little bit of a news development this week. The House of Commons passed Bill C18, which is the bill that if it goes through the Senate and gets royal assent and all that, we will force social media companies to subsidize news companies in Canada. So it'll force social media companies to pay news companies for the privilege of letting news companies post their content to promote it on social media. It's a very bizarre convoluted bill. I talked about it on my show yesterday. It's basically trying to get the government to offload subsidizing journalists to tech companies instead of using taxpayer money. But what was interesting is a liberal MP tweeted a thread about how proud she was of this bill passing And she completely, it seemed like, doesn't understand what her bill is. So this is from Lisa Hefner, who's an Ontario Liberal Member of Parliament. She says, As a former journalist, I've always understood and appreciated the importance of local community news. I've consistently been a champion of journalism, which is why I'm so pleased to have worked on a piece of legislation that will ensure more revenue for news outlets, more transparency, and the protection of of journalistic independence. Uh, She goes on, it says, our government will always support quality fact-based Canadian journalism in a fair digital marketplace. This bill makes it harder for big digital platforms like Facebook and Google to steal local journalists' articles and repost them without credit on one of their networks. Ste- no nowhere has the government even talked about this being a bill to prevent the theft of content, which is already covered by copyright laws. This is about content that news outlets are voluntarily posting on Facebook and Twitter because they want people to see it. So they're using social media to promote it. This is now theft?
0: Uh, it's bizarre. I mean, but when, what, is this the first time that an MP's not understood a bill, a piece of legislation, a budget. <laughs> That's what?
1: true. I, and a former journalist, no doubt. I don't think, uh, you know, the industry is uh, happy to or sad to have lost her. Yeah.
0: But, you know, it, it's uh, she's got everything reversed in our upside-down world. Okay, so it's going to uh, protect the independence of journalism? Give me a break. Journalism, I mean, once the mainstream media started being bailed out and started getting grants and bailouts and monies... Um, they lost all their independence. I mean that's the the value of independent journalism like true North. I mean we're not getting government bailouts. I mean we've seen it in real time and transparency, please. Um, I've never seen an era so lacking in transparency as currently in Canada and at all levels of government and journalistic independence. Well, I already referred to that. So, uh, you know, we use these digital platforms. You do. I do extensively to promote because we're a digital platform. We use social media to promote. That's where we promote our, our you know, our reports. So I don't know what this woman is talking about. And as you said, thank goodness
1: she's out of the journalism field. <laughs> yeah, although we're stuck with her as uh, the seat of government instead. But uh, you know, it's it's weird to me because what's happening is government is, well journalists are let's go back to this journalists have this inflated sense of self importance as you and I both know and the media industry thinks it's a lot more relevant than it than it is to a lot of Canadians and anytime these fights have come up between the media companies and the tech companies the tech companies have said listen like sharing news is 5 10% of the content on our platform it's all cat gifs and memes and all of that that people care more about than they care about journalism which is why Facebook played hardball when Australia was trying to do something like this and said, fine, we're just going to ban links to Australia news stories. And they did this in a bit of brinksmanship. And I actually, not that I'm a big fan of Facebook and Google and all these companies, but I hope they continue to push back against this. Because if news outlets want to use social media platforms to promote their work, That is a service that they are voluntarily engaging in and getting a benefit from. It's not something they can then turn around and extort the social media companies over. And
0: I can give you an unscientific experiment. When I post my stories, as brilliant as they are, or your stories or whatever, I get far less clicks on Facebook than when I post a picture of Frida playing my new little puppy or playing with Mr. Mom, uh, Monty. And um, people, this is what people follow Facebook for. Twitter's a little different, but my goodness, you're right about journalists having this inflated view. And um, I am, you know, very, very self-deprecating it. I realize that my story is not nearly as important as my little puppy. On Facebook,
1: at least. (laughs) Brian Brian Lilly does that as well. He started using his work page to share pictures of his dog and pictures of the various types of scotch he's drinking. And I'm like, wow, why is Brian not doing any journalism? And then I go to his page and I realize, no, he's sharing all his work as well. But the Facebook algorithm is promoting the dog pictures and the scotch pictures more than it's promoting the journalism.
3: Exactly.
0: And that's what people... And you know what? It speaks to what I just said before. our colleagues take themselves far too seriously. And certainly, instead of tweeting about Elon Musk this time of year, who probably has a gazillion dollars to spend on Christmas presents. Enjoy the season. My
1: goodness. <laughs> well, we always try to end things on a bit of a lighter note here. And sometimes I think a video is worth, I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words. A video is worth a thousand pictures. Here is Jugmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP in the House of Commons this week. Member for Burnaby South. When I'm prime minister, I will keep my promises. <laughs> You know, I criticize the 22 Minutes Twitter account for not knowing real comedy. That was real comedy. Jugmeet Singh starting a sentence with when I'm prime minister. That, if, if CBC could produce that level of comedy, we'd be in a great position as a country.
0: Exactly. He'll be prime minister when the world is flat.
1: he'll be prime minister when the media gets over itself. That's about as likely as that is. I I love that now, like, the pretense is gone. Everyone in the House of Commons just bursts into this, like, uproar when he says this, because they all know just how absurd it is.
0: Well, you know, and, and again, it speaks to the disconnectedness of politicians like him and a good number of the members of the NDP caucus. Like, they actually think they are going to govern one day, please. He has none of the charm and charisma of Jack Layton. I was not a fan of Jack Layton when he was at City Hall, but at least he had charisma and at least he knew how to bring people together and make a statement. This guy has been absolutely useless. He is, you know, uh, he he wears nice suits. Uh, I like his different colored turbans, but he's been useless.
1: Yeah, and it was an odd sort of, like, you and I, I think, have talked about this in the past. I, I certainly have on my show as well, that he's given away everything for nothing when it comes to this uh, non-coalition coalition agreement, the supply and confidence agreement he has with the Liberals, where he jumps up and down all the time and talks about how terrible the Liberals are, and but he doesn't say the quiet part out loud, which is that he's the one keeping the Liberals in power right now, and he could actually cause the government to topple at any moment if he wanted to.
0: Yeah, that's the great irony. And yes, exactly. So you can't kvetch. I'm giving you another Yiddish word. You can't complain. No, kvetch
1: I knew. That was like that was like three lessons ago.
0: Okay, excuse me. Um, <laughs> but you can't kvetch in, in, about how the Liberals are doing it for you. You haven't really made that many demands. You just sort of make these token press conferences and then continue to prop them up. So what are you getting from this sort of arranged marriage? What are you actually getting? I, I have no idea. It it's so bizarre.
1: Uh, well, you know what? Like I said earlier, at the very least, that was a nice bit of levity. I think Jagmeet Singh should start all speeches with, uh, you know, <laughs> with that boilerplate when I'm Prime Minister. It's a lot funnier than anything else we get from politics, and it's less insufferable than the never-ending land acknowledgements that are done in such a disingenuous way. So that's how all NDP speeches should start. When I'm Prime Minister, then we can all have a laugh and forget that they exist. Uh, it was a simpler time when that was the case. suan Lee TV, I hope you are enjoying the beach, even if it is fake. Uh, we can all just live so in that fantasy there. Here.
0: It's just so hot. Um, <laughs> is it I've a humid, go fake beach umbrella?
1: or is it a non-humid fake beach?
0: It's a, a fake. It's a real beach, but it's, you know, it's a fake. I'm not really sitting on a beach, of course, <laughs> um, and, because you would be hearing the roar of the waves. But yeah. um, anyway, it's making me feel hot.
1: Okay, well, instead I have like uh, a tree and freezing rain coming out outside. So I can live in the fantasy as well as you can. Uh, we will be back next week with a very special Fake News Friday that you won't want to miss. Sue Ann Levy, thank you so much as always. Have a great weekend and uh, happy Hanukkah as well. I know that's coming up.
0: Hanukkah starts on Sunday and uh, I, uh, I'm going out to get my Hanukkah bush right now.
1: All right, well, safe, uh, safe travels and happy shopping and we will talk to you all next week.